Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Opinionated Science, the podcast from Technology Networks. My name's Lucy, I'm the custom content producer here at Technology Networks, and today we're diving into the world of futuristic laboratories, or more specifically, labs of the future. Predicting the future is never easy, and trying to figure out how labs will be operating in five or maybe even ten years' time is pretty tricky. But efforts to move research forward are happening in the here and now, and we can look to technologies that are only in their infancy today that are showing huge promise to becoming integral parts of the research practice of tomorrow. Most of us will be familiar with and are already reaping the benefits of the so-called connected home, where we have an abundance of smart products interacting with one another, tracking our data, our events and remote monitoring our every move in our busy lives. The same needs for data management, security and traceability and even device management exist in the labs as well. Changes are already happening and to say technology has changed the way we conduct research in the last 10 years is a complete understatement because it's truly transformed it. We're now looking at cloud computing, AI, machine learning, and they're all making it much easier to access, share and analyze data. And great strides are being made now and over the last decade and further advancements are bringing us even closer to a fully automated intelligent lab of the future. So what processes would benefit from changing to a more digital environment? And with so many changes ahead, how can we successfully empower our scientists to work more efficiently and to improve their overall lab experiences? And to be honest, where is the lab of the future headed? Excitingly, we'll be discussing all of this and more in today's podcast, which is very kindly sponsored by Thermo Fisher Scientific. And on today's podcast, I'm joined by Claudia Consoli, the Facility Lead for QPCR at the Central Biotechnology Services in Cardiff, John Bayes, the Senior Product Manager for Thermo Fisher Scientific Connect Platform, and David Joyce, the Director of Product Management at Thermo Fisher Scientific. I'm excited to let you know that you're about to hear the podcast in full. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Claudia. Oh, lovely to be here. And welcome to the podcast, John. Thank you. Nice to be here. And welcome to the podcast, David. Thanks. Good to be here. It's great having you all here today. How are you all? Very good. Thank you. Yeah, it's great here in California. (laughs) (laughs) It's great, but I'm happy. Fantastic. So as we all know, we're here today to talk about the lab of the future and we'll jump straight into it. So the ability to easily share, compare and analyse data is a fundamental requirement of the lab of the future and capabilities to enable this are advancing. So I'm just wondering just how each of you see this playing out. So for me, as uh, working in a co-facility, it's uh, really important to be able to share data with my customer, especially because I um, support research internally and externally. So I work um, for uh, like research project um, with people everywhere in the world. So thanks to, um, you know, Connect, I can uh, share my data with different groups and different research labs um, in different countries as well, because sometimes there are, uh, you know, one project is um, part of collaboration between different groups. So it's, it's, it's quite difficult to share the data with different people in different places. I work on clinical trials as well. And sometimes we have um, some 
issues with um, the confidentiality of the data. Um, so, um, however, I'm sure if uh, you know the, um, the 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 safe of the data um, on the cloud um, is improved, I will be able to uh, share data even for my clinical trial work. Yeah, and interesting that you mentioned that, Claudia. One of the things that we've been thinking about is how we can expand on these capabilities we've built and connect around sharing data. You know, as you mentioned, you're currently using it to share data out with your customers, but I imagine in your lab setting, you've got uh, multiple people producing data and they're sharing that data out from their accounts. And so I'm curious your thoughts about uh, the security of that data as, as being a manager in a lab and uh, what are your needs around uh, ma maintaining that data, managing that data on behalf of multiple people so that you have control of it, regardless of whomever has produced it, uh, as to how it's being shared out? That would be very important, actually. Um, of course, you know, we have to keep the data uh, for a long time after, um, you know, uh, we uh, complete the project. Um, each project is different. So sometimes, um, of course, you know, uh, for the users of the, the equipment, um, we don't need to keep the data, but for big projects, uh, we are re required to, you know, to keep the data even for uh, like uh, 10, 20 years. So that would be very good to have a place where we can actually keep all the data safe. Yeah, and 10 to 20 years is a long time. So I start to think about um, challenges you might face as far as storage? Uh, do, do you run into problems there? Yeah, at the moment, uh, of course, is um, you know, it's very difficult to keep um, data all all in one place because, um, you know, about the, the file uh, sizes and also, um, you know, we have to um, make sure uh, we just uh, save data in different places because of if something happened, <laughs> you know, we can't risk to uh, lose all the data. So if we use like an external hard drive, for example, you know, you understand that it is not extremely safe. I think the other thing, Claudia, is is we're talking when you're talking twenty years. You know, how many pieces of software that you're you were using twenty years ago? are you using now? I mean, uh, I think that would, it would have been like Windows 95 or something like that, wouldn't it? We'd be using back, back then. So I think another challenge is probably, how are you going to be able to read that data in 20 years' time? Yeah, that is a very good point, actually. Very, very good point. Yeah, and I, mean, I think one of the things that the industry is moving towards is standards, uh, in, in order that, you know, at least you can go back and, and reconstruct that data if you, if you needed to in the future, at least the raw data. And so I guess most of the data in the lab comes from instruments. So how do you all individually see things changing from how you connect to and get data from those instruments today and in the lab of the future? Yeah, I guess this, is, this has been my soapbox for, for a couple of decades now. And, and it, it's a difficult job because you know, instruments are made by diverse different uh, manufacturers and mm -hmm. you know, they, they all have their own formats. You know, we're the same within, within Thermo, we have been in the past. Um, the major change we've seen internally within the company is sort of the application of standards and, and a mandate to connect all of our instruments to a, to a central um, system. Uh, in this, we call it connect. Um, 
and and that's sort of changed the way we look at look at uh, data and the data data processing. So um, we've made it easier to aggregate that data and pull it onto onto the cloud. But that's you know that's just our cloud. Everybody has their own cloud. Everybody has their own format. I think the real challenge here is is how do we do this for the the fleet of instruments that are already out there. So you know, Claudia, for instance, mm -hmm. has a has a couple of instruments connected. You know because they're thermal Fisher instruments, but we have to acknowledge that that, that not everybody you know is, is using thermal Fisher instruments. They're using third-party instruments. How do we deal with that? So I think that's one of the challenges for today. I think going forward, as standards start to to do develop, it's going to get easier. Um, but you know, Claudia, I mean, if we were to talk about your lab, what percentage of your instruments are connected to to the cloud now, and where would you like to be? So at the moment, I got only two instruments connected to the cloud. Um, so it would be absolutely fantastic for us to have all our instruments connected to the cloud. That will uh, help so much for uh, many things, especially, you know, we're talking about even uh, the storage. There are some um, instruments, then they actually, their file, the data uh, files, they are really big and um, so difficult to uh, to store and to share so that would help very much yeah and, and it depends on the technique as well i mean it, it goes from so some of the you know the pcr techniques are probably fairly small uh, files in the in the scheme of things to you know when we start getting into some of the you know i think our, our winner at the moment is is the uh, is the cryo microscopes and, and they're producing a ter terabyte an hour I don't think you've got that that issue at the moment, but but um, you know we've got that whole continuum, and you don't want to be moving files like that around more than once. It's not something even you could put on a hard drive. So, you know, I I can only see that getting getting more difficult as as the instruments become more sophisticated. Absolutely. Yeah, DJ, that that got me thinking about um, as we connect more instruments from more sources and more different types of data the need for flexible storage um, just really comes to front of mind because you go from small files to large files and the need to retain this data for 10, 12 years or longer. Um, you, you don't wanna have to worry about how many hard drives do I have? How are they backed up? But if you have them all coming to one location um, in a cloud where you can simply just say, I'd like more storage and it magically appears and everything's backed up, that seems like it'd bring a lot of peace of mind and a, a lot of simplicity to something that's hard to manage today. Absolutely. So innovative technologies have already improved instrument and equipment monitoring and maintenance, and they've made it easier to manage and schedule assets remotely. So my question is, how do you currently manage your instruments and how do you see digital capabilities improving the instrument uptime in the future? So at, at the moment, all our instruments are uh, um, uh, on... I mean, every facility is different, okay? But we got a um, booking system, which um, all our users use to be able to book our instruments. Mm -hmm. um, however, um, as a, a co-facility, and uh, we have, you know, ISO accreditation, GCLP accreditation, we need to make sure all, all our instruments are uh, serviced 
and looked after. And of course, that is another important thing so that it would be very good to be able to actually control all that uh, with the system and then uh, send us reminders when actually all our instrument is due to a service. Um, another thing is I use um, the, this, the booking system to charge our uh, users. Of course, it's very time consuming. I mean, it would be great to have one central system then allow us to uh, control all our instrument, our help us with the booking, and then of course, even just the charging our users, that would be a dream. <laughs> yeah, and Claudia, you touch on quite a few things that we've been thinking a lot about. Um, you know, what are these challenges that we can begin to solve as more of your instruments get connected? Um, so, so I imagine as a manager or scientist in a lab, you can connect uh, all of your instruments and you start to get a view into utilizations. You can see which instruments are being used and which might be um, sitting and getting a bit dusty. Uh, they're all connected so you can search for availability and book time. Uh, as a manager, you can manage reservations on behalf of team members, um, even you know, going into, you mentioned service, viewing those service events so you can plan your work accordingly and things like that. Um, so, so it's really interesting to hear these challenges from you that you, that you face. And with so many changes ahead, how can we successfully enable scientists to work more effectively and to improve their lab experience? Um, of course, it's like, uh, as I said, it's like our instruments are, uh, um, you know, multi-user instruments. So many people using um, every equipment in our facility. So, um, you know, I, I would be very good to, uh, for them to just be able to just go to the lab and then put the plate on and go back to their own, um, you know, uh, lab or office and then be able to just uh, um, collect the data from their own office their own mm -hmm. building without the need to actually come back to um, my lab to collect the, the, the data, which, you know, is not exactly um, the best thing to do. Mm -hmm. Also, all my um, users, so they use a, a USB stick to collect the data, okay. which I don't think is, a, you know, is the best to do because there is always the risk to get virus in the core facility. Yeah, you mentioned viruses. I mean, I've, I've heard all sorts of scare stories, even within our own training labs, uh, where you know trainees come in and uh, you know we often have to re reboot or rebuild re uh, our instru instrument PCs because they've, they've picked up viruses. But I mean, the, the the elephant in the room here, or the the virus in the room, is the the, the COVID one. You know, I, I think nowadays yeah. we we really don't don't want to be spending as much physical time in the lab or or you know. Have anything that's that's physically transferable. So, I mean, has has that affected your lab? And 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 you know, how could you see that being, uh, you know, some of those uh, digital capabilities helping you in the future, maybe? Yeah, of course. At the moment, yeah, you're talking about COVID. Um, we have to follow, you know, um, the lots of many different rules, and um, only one person is allowed in the lab. So. 
is always quite difficult um, for, uh, you know, if there is somebody who's uh, is, is like by the instrument and trying to put a plate on, um, you can have another person who just uh, need to collect the data at the same time. Mm -hmm. So if we just move to a digital, uh, you know, future, <laughs> uh, that would help very much. Um, because especially at the moment, and I don't think this situation is going away very soon, I'm afraid. Yeah, I mean, if we, uh, I suppose looking at that, uh, you know, reducing the amount of time you need to spend in the lab is probably a good thing anyway. And it means you get more, more people or more throughput, I guess, in your lab in some respects. Um, have you any thoughts some sort of footprint? Uh, you know, one of the things I, I remember is, is that, you know, you go into the lab and that you've got a PC next to every instrument and people are working up data on the PC. That's space that you could be using for other things. Is labs, lab space a, a challenge? Yeah, that is another challenge because, uh, yeah, we got the, the PC next to every instrument. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is a very good point, actually. And yeah. So, so yeah, the, the, you know, can almost see the, the lab being the place that you come and sort of set things away. You've got your instruments in there, but all of that data processing can be done remotely now. It, it, there's no reason why it shouldn't be. You know, a, a PC doesn't know how long the wire is between it and the, and the instrument. You could be the other side of the world. And you, you and you use the the lab only for actually lab work, yeah. And then you don't need to be in yeah. the lab for the data analysis. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's I think that's the way forward, really, isn't it? And uh, it's it's been available for a while, but it's not been as important as it has been since the you know the COVID outbreak. Mm -hmm. You um, always need some time to. Uh, educate the users so that is another issue <laughs> that's a point that's a point and i think it's an, that's a another thing that we're we're looking at if we you know looking at everything through a technology lens um you know we we've sort of st started to build up these training uh, capabilities mm -hmm. we we had to i mean uh, as a corporation we've been producing the um covid test kits and before people are you know we we uh, are allowed to do that they had to be trained to, to actually use the particular protocol. Um, so we, we put together educational material that we deliver actually via the cloud that people can actually do that before they can either download the software or use the software. We kind of sign people off with a, with a virtual course. Um, obviously that was uh, you know, pretty specifically because we're looking in a, a clinical sort of field, um, but I could see that expanding to, to other techniques as well. You know, instead of just giving somebody a protocol and say, go away and do it, it having much more interactive type of training that, that people can do do remotely before they even touch set foot in the lab. Absolutely. There's a few things just thinking about this, um, how COVID has changed the way we work and how it will have a lasting impact. Because one of the remarkable things that happened was the way so much of the scientific uh, community came together to focus on COVID and to quickly produce tests and to quickly produce uh, vaccines and, and at a speed that we hadn't seen before. Um, but as we've done that, we've had to really look at the way uh, that we work and the way that we had to change how we work. And I think that through that, there's been a lot of things that we've we've learned and we've started to focus more on and like DJ touching on, on training capabilities. And we've talked about being able to connect more instruments, but really what you get is this more connected kind of environment where you can maybe not go beyond just reserving time, but you can maybe tie that into education. So if you require people uh, need to take some training before they can use an instrument, 
we can build things like that in and just get better and better for this kind of new way of operating as we go forward. Just, just that sounds uh, fantastic, actually, because uh, you know, we all our users so they they need to be trained, um, and that you know that that can help a lot. Very, very good. And then you need to manage the training records. If it's a, a, I mean, in a clinical situation, you need to show that the person who's carried out the test, whether that be you or somebody else, um, you know, has has got the capability to do that. So mm -hmm. you know, there's that record keeping uh, going on as well. Um, actually, you talk about the COVID uh, situation and, and the technology virtual. Virtual. I heard the other day that you know when um, the FDA and others come to do audits in our ma uh, manufacturing facilities. Obviously, that's a lot more difficult when you can't do that type of thing in person. And they've started oh, yeah. to, to look at um, using things like there's something called a HoloLens, which is essentially a headset that somebody wears that's got a camera on it uh, and allows that person to walk around the factory and somebody else to sit in their shoes so they can sit on a, a Zoom call or the equivalent of it. And they can go around and say, could I, you know, an inspector can go and carry out an inspection um, with somebody almost being as a a robot for them, right? Go and have a look over there. Could you open this door? Could you look at that? And, you know, we've had to be quite, um, uh, you know, think outside of the box as far as, uh, you know, how even some of those more uh, mundane and, and physical personal tasks are carried out. So uh, this idea of having someone who look over the shoulder of somebody in the lab is, is now, you know, becoming a reality. And so we know that uh, most labs have already spent a great deal of time and money investing in their digital infrastructure and now we find that the data and the process silos are a significant issue and how do you feel that organizations should tackle this challenge to position themselves and their labs for the future? I think we touched on it earlier on this is again my one of my soapboxes I suppose but um, it's that uh, that ability to centralize the data is, is one aspect but then you know you need to be able to translate that data into something that can be can be used in the future. So, um, you know, the, the, there are emerging standards in, in various areas of, of science that uh, are getting quite a bit of uptake in, in industry. And I think uh, we, we need to try and translate that, you know, aggregate the data into one place, standardize it, if you like, translate it into a fashion that it's, it's in a, you know, you don't have to have a spe special software to be able to read it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, provide tools to, to be able to, to use that data uh, once it's been standardized. I think the ultimate goal is is for that data to work harder for you because it's been standardized, indexed, and, and can be exposed to machine learning or artificial intelligence. And so what paper or manual processes that we see in use today do you feel would benefit from moving to this more digital environment? Um, we, we're still using lab work, uh, lab book and um, um, you know, there are, uh, of course, it depends, again, it depends on the project, but um, mm -hmm. sometimes, like, there are um, our um, customers and they uh, want us to, to keep lab book and then everything has to be um, written down on a lab book. Um, maybe just uh, use Excel, but uh, stick uh, the Excel <laughs> page on the lab book and they have like a checklist in the lab. So there is, we're still using lots of paper 
um, all the protocols, um, even like, uh, um, you know, all the information about the experiments, so the, the concentration, all the details, the sample number, uh, everything has to be on a lab book. Um, so, of course, uh, uh, this is, uh, um, you know, very time consuming mm -hmm. and then it's very easy to, you know, to make mistakes. Human error. Yes. And then if you think even what, you know, DJ is talking about, just uh, uh, go back to all the experiments and find the details is uh, extremely difficult. So, of course, if we can move to digital version for uh, all that it would be fantastic there's just the you know the, the logistics of looking after that paper as well i mean you know, what what does 20 years worth of lab books look like and where do you store them and you know, uh, well, you know heaven knows if something something catches fire in a lab or you know i think there's a whole there's a whole not industry around it but there's a whole mechanism around it, you know making sure those things are secure and you know, if you're uh, able to find them easily as well, that's <laughs> another point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, we, we've established that Claudia is the index, though. so <laughs> so we could definitely go go back and find them. But, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think uh, yeah, this is where digital probably shines a little bit. I think we're we're all very much used to it with our uh, electronic documents, and and um, you know, I, I I go back through my email. I shouldn't probably say this for data retention, but I go back through my email for years. Um, you know, to find, to, you know, to dig up information. Um, it's much more difficult in the scientific world. We've sort of kept ourselves in the, the 1900s with the lab book. Uh, it's understandable. I mean, it, it's, it's a tried and tested approach. Um, it's, you know, it can be validated and people's signatures can, can be validated. So it's understandable why we, we're doing this. But uh, the benefits of letting go of that and actually putting it into a digital media once you trust, trust that digital media, you know, we, we've discussed it earlier on, it, it's, it's that access to it, it, it's structures around it, and even, you know, just even the execution, uh, you know, instead of having to have a printed checklist uh, in Excel, you know, the tools that we're putting together now around lab execution lead you step by step through the, through the processes. You know, I mean, you know, some of us, uh, you know, you, you can look at uh, recipes you get online now. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I don't think we have recipe books anymore. We Google for something. We, we, we kind of, <laughs> I'm the you know, same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, you put it on a tablet or you put it on your phone and it's not ideal, but it but it's it's there, it's accessible. And when you when you actually go through that process, we can track that without you having to specifically go in there and do do the do the work again on paper. You know, we can actually track what you have done and, and ha have that as a, a as an audit trail. Uh, as opposed to it being something that you have to go and do once you've finished your experiment and have to have to write it up. So, you know, the the, the ideal world, I guess, Claudia, is the the, the lab book that writes itself, uh, that you can trust and you can search. Uh, yeah. Electronic notebooks and limbs, I guess, are the the tools that we use in industry. Yeah, and, and you were just just getting there. Is is I was thinking about sometimes if I have a printed recipe, I, what I do is I actually just take a photograph of it and it's there in my photos and I have to go through and I have to find it and it's not searchable. It's not yeah. ideal, but thinking about um, this automatically generated lab book, I think you just mentioned DJs is we've talked about the idea of connecting more instruments and, and standardizing the data, but we haven't really touched on the other pieces of software that might be in play as well. And so as we build these things that, that can execute these, these workflows to take you through the steps 
and also capture the data at the right point, capture the right um, information about the data so that we can start to populate those notes in a meaningful way that is really tied to what you've done. Yeah, yeah, and and, and that that you know the the, the buzzword at the moment is, is is orchestration. So you know we've got execution, but then there's the orchestration of what happens next. So you've you've done your wet chemistry, you've done the done the uh, prep, sample prep, um, but then you know the whole data chain of how you transform that data and analyze that data. You know, that can now be managed with with an orchestration system uh, so that you, you know the the work is guided and the and the and the right the write-up is is essentially done for you and then my final question because we are almost out of time is if you have one wish for the lab of the future what would it be and why to have everything in one place uh, for uh, you know the management of the lab the data the users the, the people everything honestly um that that would be that would make my life uh, much easier and um yeah i i don't think of anything else actually but that would help <laughs> Fantastic. And um, I think that's a great way to end our podcast. So thank you so much for your time, everyone. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you, Claudia. Thank you, Lucy. Very enjoyable. Thanks so much for joining us here today. And I hope you enjoyed that fascinating interview and that it's given you an insight into how the future is about to look for our labs. We'll be back in two weeks' time with another episode of Opinionated Science. But until then, you can keep up with our podcast and all of our Lab of the Future coverage over on Technology Networks. <laughs>